Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host for today's continuing conversation on marriage and emotional connection. I have loved this mini-series and it has been highly beneficial for my own life. I sure hope and pray that it is as beneficial for you and all the relationships in your spheres of influence. Last week, we started Healthy Assertiveness Part 1. Today, we're going into Part 2. I don't think there's a Part 3 unless some great revelations or aha moments come during this time. But I hope that you have gleaned rich, rich thoughts from our conversations on attachment and attachment theory, attunement and awareness, being acutely aware of our own personal behaviors and communication skills, our own understanding of our sense of self, our understanding of our essence, our God-breathed identity, as opposed to our personality and how we show up for life, how vital acceptance is in our relationships. We need to let Peter be Peter, as I taught in our beautiful conversation about acceptance. We need to accept those in our spheres of influence, especially our intimate interpersonal relationships, accept them for who they are while holding them accountable, which was our one of our great conversations as well. So attachment, attunement, acceptance, accountability. And I couldn't stop at accountability without moving into how to have a healthy sense and a healthy practice of assertiveness in our personal communication skill toolbox. Uh, Assertiveness is one of the core communication skills that unfortunately really is not taught very much. At least it wasn't in my life. Maybe in the school systems today, there's a little bit more conversations around emotional intelligence. I sure hope so. But to have a sense of healthy assertiveness is you can express yourself effectively and stand up for your point of view, all while respecting the rights and beliefs of others. So being able to express yourself effectively while standing up for yourself and your point of view in light of the other person, always respecting the rights and beliefs of others. So the big uh, tension or the big pull here between, uh, or actually the misunderstanding, I think, with assertiveness sometimes is that it's aggression. But we discussed in our last conversation, our last episode, season um, two, episode 23, there is a a huge difference between assertion and aggression. Assertion is being able to say what you mean and mean what you say, but you're also respecting the dialogue between the two people. 
So in many respects, to be assertive is to have a dialogue and not a one-way monologue. You're not just, you know, speaking at someone, you're speaking with them. So that's a huge defining line, a boundary line. If I'm just aggressive, I'm saying what I mean and I mean what I say, but I could care less what you think. I am not respecting you, your opinion. I don't care what you have to say back to me. Basically, aggression is all about me and not about you. So the way I frame healthy assertiveness is me plus you equals we. We are a team. Our relationship is a dialogue. It is a real true dialogue between two people. When I say what I need to say, when I use my voice, remember voice equating my value, when I speak what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, I am speaking it in love and I'm speaking it in authority in a beautiful way. I'm saying that with respect to how you're going to receive it and with what you have to say. I am thinking about your thoughts and feelings as well. Please make that distinction. I feel like that's a really big pause moment to really understand that we need to practice healthy assertiveness. Consider the other person, their thoughts and their feelings. Make it a dialogue, not a one-way street. When I'm aggressive, I can use sarcasm. Sarcasm is a a hidden way of saying what I really mean, but I'm hiding it. I'm cloaking it in ha, 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 ha. Well, it's not ha, 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 It's not. It's hurtful, and it's one way. I write in my first book, Rock Solid Families, Transforming an Ordinary Home into a Fortress of Faith, I write all about sarcasm and how in its Greek root means to pluck off the skin. You want to read more about it and more about words in general. My journey really began putting that on paper in Rock Solid Families. We also can be, um, we can have rage and anger management problems. Not anger, because anger is an emotion. It's one of the basic emotions. It's a God-given emotion. We will not like everything that happens to us in life. And God gave us that emotion so that we could protect ourselves and stand up for ourselves and practice our healthy sense of self. Shyness, on the other hand, is another way of being coy, maybe, or a lot of times shyness is taught as a false pride, um, self-abasing. So we just want to say what we say, we want to mean what we say, but we always want to keep in our forefront of our minds the respect of the other person. Okay, enough said. I'm getting off of my bandwagon right now. So I wanted to start with uh, this beautiful, beautiful, uh, I've got so many papers here today, so just stick with me. This very beautiful uh, prose written by a man named Mark Nepo. And I just think you're going to love it. We waste so much energy trying to cover up who we are when beneath every attitude is the want to be loved, and beneath every anger is a wound to be healed, and beneath every sadness is the fear 
that there will not be enough time. When we hesitate in being direct, when we hesitate in being direct, we unknowingly slip something on, some added layer of protection that keeps us from feeling the world. And often that thin covering is the beginning of a loneliness which, if not put down, diminishes our chances of joy. Which, if not put down, diminishes our chances of joy. It's like wearing gloves every time we touch something and then forgetting we chose to put them on, we complain that nothing feels quite real. Our challenge each day is not to get dressed to face the world, but to unglove ourselves so that the doorknob feels cold when we turn it, the car handle feels wet, and the kiss goodbye feels like the lips of another being, soft and unrepeatable. We choose to unglove ourselves so that, so that the doorknob feels cold and the car handle feels wet and the kiss goodbye feels like the lips of another being soft and unrepeatable. We need to take our gloves off. What does that mean? Hmm. Well, in last week's blog, Every Summer Has a Story, I shared the beautiful words of the beautiful, powerful Brene Brown. You either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. As I thought about walk inside your story and own it, so many faces came to my mind, with my face being the first one looking back at me. I thought about those in my life and in my private practice who have decided to stand and walk inside their story and own it. And I also thought about many of them who took a couple steps forward and then decided this is too hard and I don't want to do this anymore. And so therefore they stay stuck inside their story. They do. And that makes me sad. I wrote a whole book about being stuck in my story. Overcoming hurtful words, rewrite your own story is my story. It's a story of stuckness. If you're into the Enneagram, it is the story of an Enneagram 2 stuck in her disability to approve, be approved by others, to please others, to get the applause of others. And the only way that I could feel good about myself is if other people were applauding me or admiring me or telling me how wonderful I was. And I worked my way through that journey and I'm so grateful and I am here for you. You know, it takes a great deal of time and energy to look beneath the surface of our life. Let me just repeat what Mark Nepo wrote. We waste so much energy trying to cover up who we are when beneath every attitude is the want to be loved and beneath every anger is a wound to be healed and beneath every sadness is the fear that there will not be enough time. Owning your story, walking inside your story and owning it takes tremendous courage. As Brene Brown writes so beautifully, it requires courage, bravery. 
It requires getting into the arena and being brave and courageous and vulnerable. And it asks us to remove those layers, those gloves of invisible emotional protection, which we call our defense mechanisms and our coping strategies, in order to find our essence, our truest self, so that we can show up for life so that we can use our voice and speak up. Excuse all the little buzzers. Using our voice is a huge part of healthy assertiveness. And as we really went into depth with it last week in episode 23, our value equates with our voice. Our voice is our value. When I finally step inside my story, I go into the past, my history of hurts, long enough to bring that into the present, to make meaning of it, to apply memory reconsolidation, clear neural pathways. As I do the work of making meaning of my past, whether it's childhood-based trauma, whether it is difficult bullies on the playground, whether it is the hurtful words and actions of a teacher, a coach, a nun, you fill in the blanks, the hard knocks of life. When we do that, when we step inside of our story, sit down in it, and we try to process and and make meaning of it and make peace with it, we forgive ourselves, we forgive others, we make peace with our past, we make meaning with it. Then we can leave that history of hurts where it needs to be, which is in the past, and we can move forward into our heart-lifting life, into our vision of victory, and live in the present. We live into our bodies. We live who we are today. Those things of the past, those stories those regrets, those grudges, those bitternesses, that unforgiveness just then becomes part of our story. It doesn't own us anymore. That's what this is about, making meaning of our past, moving through the heartlift method, and then moving forward into freedom and victory. Well, healthy assertiveness is a communication skill, but as we know, words... <laughs> Words come from our heart, and our heart and our mind are deeply linked and connected. So in a beautiful book that I have studied quite fervently called Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. Oh, it's so good. I cannot say this man's name, but he's one of the founders of positive psychology. Mahali Chishamahali. I'm not really sure, but I'll put it on our private Facebook page so you can see the link and know more about this brilliant man and his contributions to our emotional health journey. But in chapter six, he writes on the flow of thought. And he says, the good things in life do not come only through the senses. Some of the most exhilarating experiences we undergo are generated inside the mind, triggered by information that challenges our ability to think rather than from the use of sensory skills. As Sir Francis Bacon noted almost 400 years ago, wonder, which is the seed of knowledge, is the reflection of the purest form of pleasure. Just as there are flow activities corresponding to every physical potential of the body, 
every mental operation is able to provide its own particular form of enjoyment. Let me repeat that. Every mental operation is able to provide its own particular form of enjoyment. He continues, memory is not the only tool needed to give shape to what takes place in the mind. It is useless to remember facts unless they fit into patterns, unless one finds likenesses and regularities among them. The simplest ordering system is to give names to things. The words we invent transform discrete events into universal categories. The power of the word is immense. The power of the word is immense. In Genesis 1, God names day, night, sky, earth, sea, and all the living things immediately after he creates them, thereby completing the process of creation. The Gospel of John begins with, before the world was created, the word already existed, capital W. And Heraclitus starts his now almost completely lost volume, this word, Lagos, is from everlasting. Yet men understand it as little after the first hearing of it as before. All these references suggest the importance of words in controlling experience. Hear this. All these references suggest the importance of words in controlling experience. The building blocks of most symbol systems, words make abstract thinking possible and increase the mind's capacity to store the stimuli it has attended to. Without systems for ordering information, even the clearest memory will find consciousness in a state of chaos. Without systems for ordering information, even the clearest memory will find consciousness in a state of chaos. Oh, I could go on and on with his brilliant thoughts, but what I want us to glean from that is without a system of ordering. So to me, here in the Speak Healing Words community, we are so deeply rooted and grounded and committed to practicing our threefold chord our healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. These these three chords twined together are our ordering system for living into our God-breathed identity and a meaningful life. A meaningful life is in the Greek as eudaimonia. It is rich and meaningful in purpose and passion in relationships. We are all, we're we're all in here to ordering, to putting and giving order to an emotional language that is healthy and vital. And healthy assertiveness is top of the list. Right under a healthy sense of self. Because when we know whose we are and who we are, when we know our God-breathed identity, which if you are curious or have not been a part of our community, welcome. We welcome you here. I really encourage you to order Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story on Amazon right now. Stop, pause, get the book, go through how to transform and rewrite your negative narratives 
into a beautiful new narrative. When you understand your value, your worth, and your dignity, you then know that you know you have a voice, that you have something to say, that you have something to bring to the table. Without knowing that, it is really difficult to speak up. I'm living proof. Living proof. I can speak in front of thousands, and I have, but when it comes to a one-on-one confrontation or conflict, I was so insecure inside of myself. I, I truly lost my capacity to be able to think that my thoughts were actually worth speaking. You know, it's almost difficult for me to talk about it now because it feels so foreign. It feels like a, that was a different human being. And it was, actually. That was my old narrative. But my new narrative, I'm more comfortable in my skin. I am more aware of who I am and whose I am and that I do belong and I have value. So I'm able now to actually use my voice in my intimate relationships and speak my heart. Ah, so important. In Overcoming Hurtful Words, I, I couldn't couldn't conclude this discussion on healthy assertiveness without talking about the antonym, the opposite of assertiveness, which is repression. Suppression and repression. Today, I'm going to focus on repression. And I write about it in the very final practice of overcoming hurtful words, smile at your future. And in the final, my final journey towards finding my voice and my value, my worth, my dignity, I was diagnosed during that time with a rare disease. And I talk a lot about it earlier in the early podcast called achalasia, A-C-H-A-L-A-S-I-A. I'm an achalation. <laughs> and it is a rare disease disease that affects the esophagus and just causes it to stop working. So I lost peristalsis and my food no longer could be pushed down uh, through the digestive process. And so it was gradual. And but it was during this devastating diagnosis, really devastating, this journey that I, I really heard a very powerful message from God. A really powerful message. And many times in our lives, you know, our bodies are so connected to our spirit and our soul, to our mind, to our heart, that they are going to ultimately speak to us. Well, it was speaking. So I'm just going to read from practice, the last practice, Smile at Your Future. I had just been diagnosed by my doctor. And he says to me, let me repeat myself to you, Janelle. You didn't do anything to get this disease, but I'm going to tell you this. By the end of this journey with this disease and the treatments and the surgery, you're going to be an expert on this subject, I can tell. And I laughed. said, yeah, thanks, doctor. <laughs> I don't want to be an expert in achalasia. I don't want to be an expert in any disease. <laughs> but he was right. Achalasia, for me, was a future changer. I did become an expert. I did. But. It wasn't 
an expert on what he was talking about, the physical aspects. It was really an expert on the emotional aspects. And it was about not being able to swallow. I became hypervigilant about this highly underestimated human function called swallowing. I leaned in really hard because I knew this was a big intersection in my life where I needed to lean in and listen to God. You know that I look at my life through the frame of the, of the Word of God, the Judeo-Christian worldview. The more I read and the more I prayed, the more I saw a direct link between my inability to swallow and my unhealthy capacity to suppress negative emotions. Oh, let me, that is worth leaning in. I saw a direct link between my inability to swallow. At the last part of this disease's progression, I was having a hard time swallowing water. I saw my inability to swallow as my inability, my unhealthy capacity to suppress negative emotions. One aspect of the word swallow, and when I read this, I about fell out of my chair. One aspect of the word swallow is to suppress feelings. What? If we take it one step further, as we always do in this Speak Healing Words community and look at the words within the words, we will see that suppress means to resist something consciously. Ugh. Behavioral scientists report that repressors or people who maintain a stiff upper lip under all circumstances are one of the most mystifying personality types. The repressor's calm is bought at a great price. Repressors are one of the most mystifying personality types. Dr. Daniel Weinberger, psychologist at Stanford University, adds, Over time, the repressor's style of stifling reactions tends to take a toll on the health. Oh my gosh. Very strong words, yeah? Stifle, repress, suppress. Learned unhealthy behaviors that this little girl, Janelle, knew didn't belong in her new narrative. By the time I get to practice nine and overcoming hurtful words, I have come to a new footing for my life. I call it a prophetic footing, and it was in Proverbs 31.25. I am clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to stifle with nothing to suppress, with nothing to repress. American singer-songwriter Don Henley writes, sometimes the best light comes from a burning bridge. Without even knowing it, my doctor helped me burn a bridge. The light of his expertise and empathy ushered in my new narrative, which involved not swallowing unhealthy negative emotions, my own or anybody else's. Is it time, my friends, for you to burn a bridge so that you can get so much light in your life and so much meaning and joy and peace and purpose that you just don't even know how to stand it? When I burned that bridge of repression, 
of saying, I am not stuffing any more, you know what, down my throat anymore. I am not swallowing anybody else's stuff. I am not. I am going to be healthy. I'm going to be wise. I am going to establish strong, beautiful, healthy, mental and physical and emotional boundaries. I am going to speak my words and use them. I'm going to say what I mean and mean what I say in a healthy dialogue with those in my life, respecting their thoughts and their their part of the conversation. I was, what, 58 at the time of that diagnosis, so I had lived almost 58 years in a people-pleasing, need of approval, swallowing the negative words of other people and believing them, digesting them well and believing them, using them as my fuel, as unhealthy as it was. Is it time for you, my friend, to burn that bridge of repression in your life? I promise you, I'm here for you. My website is stocked full of how to do that. Just go to JanelleRairdon.com. J-A-N-E-L-L-R-A-R-D-O-N.com. Subscribe to Monday's Motivation for Personal Growth and receive notices about information, resources, blog, podcasts. So you do not have to do this and walk through this alone. You are not burning this bridge of repression, suppression, swallowing everybody else's thoughts, negative thoughts and words about your life. No, you are going to have emotional surgery and you are going to learn how to live a new way. I'm here for you. Please go to my website. Absolutely everything that you need is there. And all of the weekly resources that I provide you help you to learn the new way, to write your new story. I'm doing it all for you. I want you to experience the eudaimonia, the rich, meaningful life that God has helped me to live into. So have a good week. Please, if you would just not take a moment of your time to leave a review for this podcast so that more people can write a new story and hear the great news of that you can have a high emotional intelligence, even if you have lived a life full of unhealthy, toxic ways and behaviors. A new life is waiting and today's the day. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.